Welcome to Time After Time, a non-sponsored, highly judgmental podcast about time travel and love and friendship and the movies that bring them together into our living rooms. I'm Helena and I'm Paige. And maybe in an alternate timeline, you've already listened to this podcast and you loved it. Let's go. Welcome, everybody. Well, welcome. Yeah. Uh, If you are not listening to this in order, or maybe you're listening to this in another time. Or you're listening to this when this actually gets released in almost a week. Yeah, but, you know, it'll still be in the air in a week. Sure, but I would just like, for for posterity, we are recording this Thursday at 6 p.m. So any news that comes out after Thursday at 6 p.m. we are not privy to. Yes, uh, that's Thursday, November 5th. The, yes. we're, we're two days out from the presidential election and we do not know who the president is. We were just t- discussing how it feels like a lot happened yesterday and literally nothing happened today. So that's fun. Yeah, it's been a stressful couple of days. We're eating sliced provolone as our whole mm-hmm. snack. And, uh, and Helena's drinking wine out of a mug. Yeah, well, that's mostly because I don't have any cups yet, but... But she couldn't not drink the wine, so. (laughs) Fair enough. Um, Yes, we are recording in our new studio space that is just for us recording and Helena sleeping. Yes, it is literally a new studio space because it is my new studio that I have moved to. I'm very excited about it. And yeah, that's what's going on in in this timeline. That's that's what's going on around the country. Here's what's happening in your neck of the time travel woods. (laughs) Do you know what's happening in their neck of the time travel woods? Um, no, did you get that reference though? Uh, it's Groundhog Day. No. No? It's Al Roker. Al Roker always, he always does the like national, he's like, that's what's happening around the country. Here's what's happening in your neck of the woods. Oh, and then, and then someone local. else does local weather. Mm, okay. Yeah. No, I'm not up on my Al Roker. But maybe you just didn't watch him every morning while you were like eating breakfast. No. Going to school like I did. We were a, I guess we were, we were a Channel 4 news family. That's kind of fun. All right. So this week... We are doing what we thought would be a nice transition from like Halloween into Christmas movies. We'll discuss whether or not this is actually a Christmas movie. <laughs> but the movie is called Ghosts of Girlfriends Past. Runner up for Queen of the Podcast now, I think Jennifer Garner. This is her second time travel movie. Yes. Um, and she actually does get to time travel in 13 Going on 30, not here. That's true. But. Uh, I'm just saying she has the edge on Rachel McAdams in that regard. Yeah, watch The Crown, Rachel McAdams. And also, this is the second movie, the second time travel movie where Jennifer Garner is playing somebody whose name is Jen or Jenny. Yeah, very, very, very strange. I'm not sure why. And also the second movie where the same young lady plays a young Jennifer Garner, which is very fun. There's Her a lot name of parallels is here. Krista B. Allen. Yeah. This she was, made quite a little career out of playing yeah. young Jennifer Garner. And you know what's funny is this movie came out five years later, and she's playing the same age Jennifer Garner. Oh, she did look older. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. They're, they're, but both times they're in middle school. Both times they're 13. Right, yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, this is a, a Matthew McConaughey vehicle. Um, I had never seen it before. Paige, you had seen it, right? Yeah, I saw it probably around 2009, 2010. I remembered it being a fun rom-com. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot to discuss here. So <laughs> let's do the plot summary and then we'll really get into it. Great. Connor Mead 
played by Matthew McConaughey, is a famous photographer and even more famous asshole to women-er. When we meet him, he takes a very quick break from making out with a young pop star to break up with three other women via conference video call. Luckily, his very competent assistant, Melanie, reminds him that he has to leave to make it to his brother's wedding weekend at his dead Uncle Wayne's manor. Once there, he tries to secretly convince his brother to not get married and reunites with the four bridesmaids, all but one of whom he's already slept with. One of those three women, the maid of honor, is Jenny Parati, Jennifer Garner, his childhood friend, first crush, first love, first girl to break his heart, etc. He continues to be a cynical marriage hater throughout the rehearsal dinner until he goes to the bathroom and sees the ghost of Uncle Wayne, Michael Douglas, doing his best Jack Nicholson impression. He was a playboy, a womanizer, and Connor's idol growing up. Uncle Wayne is doing the Jacob Marley thing and warns him not to end up empty and alone like him, and that he will be visited by three ghosts tonight to help him become a better person. The first ghost we meet is, of course, the ghosts of girlfriends past, in the form of Allison, the girl who took Connor's virginity, played by a delightful Emma Stone. They go back in time and revisit Connor's childhood, where we watch a seven-year-old Connor and Jenny play together before she gives him his first camera. He takes a picture of her, vowing to keep the picture forever. We also learn that this is right before both of his parents died in a car crash, leaving him to be raised by Uncle Wayne. They jump forward in time to a middle school dance, where Connor is trying to get up the nerve to ask Jenny to slow dance, but he misses his chance and instead watches her dance and make out with a ninth grader. He runs crying to Uncle Wayne's car, and his uncle sees the chance to help him by taking him to a bar to teach him how to turn off his feelings and seduce women just for the sex. As Emma Stone aptly says during this part, someone call Child Protective Services. We then travel to about five to ten years-ish before the present, where adult Jenny and Connor run into each other and begin a courtship, which is unusual for Playboy Connor. After several weeks, they finally sleep together. Jenny tells Connor afterwards that he has to stay and snuggle her if he wants to be with her. He briefly does, but then panics about having feelings and runs away, leaving Jenny heartbroken. Back in the present, Connor randomly destroys the wedding cake before being visited by the ghost of girlfriends present in the form of his assistant, Melanie. She shows him everyone in the wedding party making fun of how shallow he is, Jenny making a romantic connection with Brad, the dreamboat doctor that the bride has been trying to set her up with, and her own apartment where she has invited all three of those girls he broke up with on the conference call to drink martinis and talk about how much he sucks. Once Connor is back to the present where he is not a ghost, he discovers that Sandra, the bride, has just found out that Polly, the groom, slept with one of the other bridesmaids early on in their relationship. This is apparently all Connor's fault since he let the information slip to somebody else earlier in the night. Connor attempts to fix it, makes it worse, and is kicked out of the wedding by Polly. Then, a hot silent blonde ghost of girlfriend's future appears, bringing Connor to the future to show him Jenny and Brad getting married and later his sad, unmarried brother Polly as the only person attending his funeral. Again. Womp womp. <laughs> Connor wakes up back in the present the following morning to find that Sandra has called off the wedding. Connor chases after her and all the other bridesmaids on their way to the airport. He catches them, punches her dad in the face, and convinces Sandra to forgive Polly by saying that any pain of love is better than the regret of not going for it. 
She is somehow convinced by this, and the wedding happens. Connor is now a great person, I guess, and volunteers to photograph the whole wedding. Later, outside in the snow, Connor tells Jenny that he's always loved her and he wants another chance. To prove it, he shows Jenny that he still carries that photograph of her from when they were seven. They kiss and dance in the snow. The end. So this brings us to our segment we call Blast from the Past. And I think I want to start off this segment, um, I'm making an executive decision, by talking about... Uh, Obviously, this is based on a Christmas Carol, the Charles Dickens novel from 1843. Right. Which is why we assumed, or not assumed, which is why I always thought of this as a Christmas movie, right? They're doing a Christmas Carol. Right. And to be fair, they like know what they're doing. It's, it is snowing. It is winter. And when Connor wakes up after the like last... Ghost of Girlfriend's Future, he asks the kid shoveling outside, he says, is it Christmas? And then the kid says, no, it's Saturday, you idiot. Which is, uh, so obviously they know what they're doing, but it's not quite a Christmas movie, I would say. Yeah, I was a little disappointed and I kept asking Paige, is this a Christmas movie? And she was like, I don't remember. I thought, I thought, yes. yes. They're, they're dancing in the snow at the end. Oh, so that's sure. what I picture. And it, and it is based on Christmas Carol, so I was like, yes, it's a Christmas movie. Yeah. Um, but I think the more important thing that we should also talk about is that we had a discussion before we watched this movie as to whether oh, yes. Christmas Carol and all of the subsequent uh, takes on it falls into the category of time travel movie. Yes. So there are a lot of takes on A Christmas Carol. So A Christmas Carol is is not does not fall into time travel romantic comedy. And a lot of the takes on it similarly do not fall into time travel romantic comedy because they're focused not on the romantic comedy part. So... That's why we ended up with this movie of all the Christmas Carol type movies. But I still had to convince Helena. And so if, if you disagree with me, blame me, uh, time sluts, because I had to convince Helena that this was in fact a time travel movie because he does go back and forward in time. Well, the thing is, like, he goes back and forward in time, but it's in more of an observing way. And for me, I was like, I don't know if we can count that because it's just, like, observational and not necessarily... Is that really time travel or is it just, like, a memory movie? But then you pointed out, I think, that the last movie we did, or... Was that the last movie we did? Time Traveler's Wife? Time Traveler's Wife. Yeah, the last movie we did was Time Traveler's Wife. And he can't affect anything either. So, like, why should that be more of a time travel movie than this one? Right, just because people can see him, that just that that doesn't. I don't think that makes the difference. I, I think you're right. Ultimately, I think that Christmas Carol is about time travel. Right. Um, it doesn't have the elements of memory. Say, well, sorry, I was just gonna say memory is not a cinematic device, right? We're not the the audience is not flashing back without the characters. I think that's the difference. The characters go back in time. Right. The character is literally traveling and having the experience. Yeah. Even if it's not uh necessarily he's not able to like corporeally be there. Right. We don't discriminate against ghosts. Hell no. Um also uh the other thing that convinced me is that we uh in one of our sections we ask magic science just a dream. Mm-hmm. So like the fact that it's just a dream obviously doesn't disqualify it. Right. Um do you have anything else in blast from the past page? Sure. Sure I do. So keeping on that Christmas carol train, um just a fun little Easter egg. The there's a street scene after the after Connor 
has just seen the weird scene where Melanie has invited the three women he broke up with to her apartment, whatever. He like walks outside and you can see uh, a bookshop and um, the name of the bookshop is Fezziwig's Books, which is a direct reference to Christmas Carol. Mr. Fezziwig is a character from A Christmas Carol for those of you illiterate idiots. Paige was a double major in English, if you did not know. But, well, ironically, though, I hate Charles Dickens. So As has been well established yes, in this we podcast. Have, it's a running theme of the pod. Okay, so moving away from Christmas Carol. Um, first of all, I was very unsurprised to learn that this was written by the same two men comedy duo that wrote The Hangover. Yep, the jokes are the same. Um, they know about three forms of jokes, and most of them involve gay bashing. It's rough. It's rough. But a fun fact is that it was originally, Ghost of Girlfriend's Past was originally set up before Jennifer Garner was attached to it, which I think is an important part of this, but uh, was originally set up with Ben Affleck starring in the main role that Matthew McConaughey ends up playing. Uh, so Ben Affleck was supposed to play the main guy, and Kevin Smith was going to direct, but... Harvey Weinstein, our fave, uh, who had produced all of Kevin Smith's films at Miramax, didn't want Smith going to Disney, which this was through Touchstone, which is a Disney project, whatever. And so he offered him money to direct a prequel to a movie called Fletch, which I've never heard of. Okay. Um, If he could convince Affleck to play the lead. And so they did that. Uh, It briefly went in production, and Affleck decided he didn't want to do that so he went back to disney and the first film was canceled so much this is very confusing this is a lot of politicking i just i think the politicking is interesting i think it is too especially because it involves such a um, you know well-known bad figure right so ben affleck was still gonna then star in ghosts uh of girlfriend's past but then apparently I don't know. His the failure of Giggly. What? What's that? <laughs> don't know. Didn't do well in two thousand three. Is I that a bad it, movie that Ben Affleck? Was I in? believe so. Please okay. Hold. How, Gig- how much does it have on Rotten Tomatoes? I would like six percent. Oh, oh no! no. <laughs> Giggly is ordered to kidnap the psychologically challenged younger brother of a powerful federal prosecutor. When plans go awry, Giggly's boss sends in Ricky Jennifer Lopez. Oh, oh is this where they met? Maybe. Or maybe they... I don't know. Oh, so maybe they weren't married. Wait. Hold on. Now Who I is need he to... married to? So we're now in 2003. He appeared in Giggly and Daredevil. Oh, wow. Real really? career downturn both but in 2003. But did Daredevil star Jennifer Garner? So were they married? When were they married? So he was in a movie with both Jennifer Lopez and Jennifer Garner in 2003. Who was he married to? Oh, it says he married Jennifer Garner in 2005. Okay, so when Giggly happened, he was with Jennifer Lopez. Wait, they broke up in January 2004. So then did he go back and was like, hey, daredevil lady. Yeah, I maybe. I fun shooting with you. Yeah, I think so. Oh, yeah, they established a friendship on the set of Pearl Harbor in 2001 and then Daredevil. And then Daredevil. So they were friends for a while first. That's nice. That's nice, but it went really bad. It went really poorly, but it would have been nice if it worked out. Anyway. <laughs> so... Uh, where was I? <laughs> okay, yes. So Giggly... Okay, so Ghost of Girlfriend's Past was supposed to be start start filming, I guess, right after Giggly came out. And then Giggly was such a bust 
that the studio was like, no, no, no. keep him away from us. Ben Affleck is done. Um, and then, then the film got picked up by New Line Cinema years later, um, and then Affleck's then-wife, Jennifer Garner, ended up starring in it. Oh my god, so do you think that was like a weird thing for them? Because that was supposed to be his movie, and then she ends up being the one in it like all these years later. And that's why he slept with the nanny? That's why he slept with the nanny. We figured like, it out! Like seven years yeah, later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Great. Well, regardless, we ended up with Matthew McConaughey. We ended up with Matthew McConaughey. Looking already extremely busted. When did How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days come out? Because he looked great in that movie. Uh, that was maybe the last movie oh, where he looked really okay. good. Oh, that was a long time before. Long yeah. time before. That was happening while Giggly was happening. <laughs> it all goes back to Giggly, folks. <laughs> if you don't like anything else from this podcast, you can learn that. All right, which brings us to... Magic? magic science? Just a dream? Yay! This is Yay. our first Just a Dream! We did it! We're making history. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so this is where we talk about who gets time travel, how, why, and uh, usually it's magic or science, and this, this, this year, this year, this year, this year, it's a dream. In 2009, in it's the year dream. of our Lord, 2009. Yeah, so again, it's Christmas Carol, uh, time travel type, uh, they use exactly the same, um, conventions that you see in A Christmas Carol with the three ghosts, uh, who are responsible for three different periods of time in his life. Yes, uh, except the one the one rule that I guess didn't come up in Christmas Carol, because in this movie they're they're using people that for past and present anyway that actually exist in his life. Mm-hmm. Um, so one thing we learn when they get to Melanie's flat, Mel the ghost disappears, so that Mel the real person can like be in the scene. So ghosts and their corporal forms apparently cannot exist in the same place. Yeah, interesting. Well, but that doesn't happen with Emma Stone. Oh, yes, it does. No, it doesn't. Oh, no, you're right. It doesn't. Okay, so they that's a, an instance of them not following their own rules. Yeah. It's, that's unfortunate. Which brings us to... <laughs> what happened? Wait, are we really just... That's it? I don't know. What else do... What else? He, he... Matthew McConaughey time travels with these ghosts. Sometimes Uncle Wayne shows up, so I guess sometimes he time travels... I don't know. Do you have anything else? Yeah, and I guess he wakes up and he experiences it as a dream. Okay, fair enough. You're right. Let's keep going. What What have you done? done? Here's where we talk about consistency, plot holes, ethics, etc. Um, yeah, biggest, the biggest consistency problem I think we both had is, um, why are they all, why are all these ladies into him? Yeah, it's a really good question. Like I said, Matthew McConaughey is already looking super busted. Like we're, we're very quickly transitioning into like, you know, those car commercials that he does where he's like, I was thinking like Dallas Buyers Club, but sure. But yeah, it's the same, like that was the same era. And I feel like we're already into that, that Mm -hmm. kind of era for him. And it's like not good. Yeah. The golden era of the hot Matthew McConaughey romantic comedy heartthrob is, it's, it's passed. It's gone. And even if it wasn't, even if he was t- How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days Hot, he's still like an asshole. Yeah, no, <laughs> and he's, he's not a like a huge that's jerk. <laughs> he basically his whole deal is that he just nags women and yes. uh, sleeps around like a ton and doesn't care about anyone. Um, and it, it kind of sucks. And they are working really, really hard to establish that from the second you see him, uh, which sucks. Um, we don't, yeah, I would say we don't really get any, like, 
redeeming redeeming scenes with him until the flashbacks, which is I mean, I guess that's movie. I guess that's like the case with Scrooge as well. Like if we're yeah. going like Scrooge is a, a yeah, but bad we're not, guy. But we're not supposed to want Jennifer Garner to fall in love with Scrooge. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. The the whole thing with Christmas Carol. Also, women aren't falling all over themselves to get with Scrooge. <laughs> That's a very good point. Um, his, rather than like Christmas stinks, his like bah humbug thing is that love stinks. Weddings. Yeah, but like love, love in general. Yeah. Love in general and weddings specifically. Um, he's not fun to be around. I don't know why anybody would want to be around him. He also seems like he's probably an alcoholic. Oh yeah, for sure. He is desperate. Every time he wakes up from one of these dreams, he's desperate to get to booze. Yeah, it's... I don't know. Like he does not a heartthrob make. And they uh, position this other guy, uh, Brad, as the sort of g- other guy, the competition for Jennifer Garner's heart. And the whole time we were like, go with Brad. Yeah, Brad has his shit together. Brad's in Doctors Without Borders. Yeah, Brad seems awesome. Brad is knows how to give massages. Yeah, and also like have boundaries and like be cool. I don't know. Yeah. He seems great. We are, yeah. I don't know why Jennifer Garner would want to be with him. And I don't know why any of these other women who seem to be like falling all over themselves to fuck this guy would want to. Right. It does not seem like a good lay either. No. The movie seems to justify why the people at this wedding want to fuck him by showing that like the only other of age men besides Brad, who's clearly like only like reserved for Jennifer Garner. He's earmarked for Jennifer Garner. (laughs) Um, The only other guys are Polly's groomsmen who are shown to be complete nerds. Um... We love a nerd, though. Yeah, I love a nerd. Justice for nerds. Yeah, but these three other bridesmaids don't seem to. So, like, I I almost understand why they want to sleep with Matthew McConaughey. Because they're just like, it's a wedding. I'm sad. I want to get laid. Um... But, yeah, and all of them, almost all of them have already fucked Matthew McConaughey. So yeah, and the one who hasn't feels left out. Yeah, okay, fair enough. I mean, I guess I get that. I think uh, one thing I do like, which uh, is ridiculous, is how horny the bridesmaids are. Yes. Like, that's very fun. Yeah, this movie is like sort of sex positive, but also no. I mean, well, what's nice is it seems sex positive for the women and, like, sex negative for the man, which is not the dichotomy you see in society, so... Yeah, or in, like, most of the movies about the hangover guys. I mean, the thing thing that's not sex positive about it is it's, like, there are certain kind of women who do one thing and certain kind of women who do another thing, but we'll get into that when we get to our feminism section. Yeah. All right. So he is two things, right? He is this womanizer and he's a photographer. And the way... (laughs) Those are his... Two character traits. And he, he likes to fuck and take pictures. <laughs> and we see him take we see him like walking in to do his job in the beginning of the movie. And he like walks up to this like setup that has already been like this these models are there, the lighting's like the setup is happening. He walks over to the camera, pushes the button down one time and walks and away. Walks away. <laughs> Yeah, this is one of my favorite things in movies when a character is supposed to be a photographer and they look like they've never held a camera in their lives. Um, It's never how cameras work. Also, why are there so many movies where people are supposed to be photographers? Like, is that a very sexy profession? I think it's so that we can get the shot of them taking a picture of the love interest and then they like capture that image. Oh, and then it's like, "Mm, this is how you look at someone you love. Yeah. Yeah, okay, fair enough. 
My main uh, consistency issue was why are they from Connecticut when Matthew McConaughey has like a deep Texas accent? <laughs> What's that about? Uh, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't even catch that. I think because like I just hear Matthew McConaughey at this point. You know what I mean? Yeah. No. It's definitely like he was just doing Matthew McCon- Matthew McConaughey, but at the same time, I was like, this is confusing and can Matthew McConaughey please just like yeah. do something else also it was funny that Polly started doing a Matthew McConaughey because <laughs> I guess they're supposed to be brothers so he was like I guess we should have the same accent even so. though they look no way related in no way oh that he's another time travel movie alum too he was in Kate and Leopold oh yeah yeah so Aww. a lot of a lot of familiar faces in this movie I think it's just like your shtick it's like once you start time travel movies do you start to actually time travel? I just think you is feel Is there like, a theory forming here? No. My, well, that can be your theory. My theory is, is you're like, I, do, I get it. You know what I mean? Like, I get I get what's happening here. Mm-hmm. You don't have to explain it to me. I can just jump into this world. Yeah, because people need a lot of explaining <laughs> about time travel. That's why we're here. Yeah. We're doing the Lord's work. Yes. We are allowing all of our listeners to be more marketable to be actors in future time travel <laughs> movies. Um... It's also, so we find out that his parents died in a car crash, which is sad. And then he's raised by his uncle Wayne. So that's, I think, supposed to explain his deep well of awfulness, which is fine. Um, I did point out, though, that uh, Uncle Wayne's car does not have seatbelts, which Uncle Wayne takes weird pride in. Like when when Matthew McConaughey, young Matthew McConaughey's character points this out at 13, he calls him a... Pansy? A pussy? What does he call it? I don't know. Something. Sissy. sissy. A sissy. Yes. He says that's sissy talk. Mm-hmm. Which uh, will, again, get to our tally of like weird, toxic masculinity, gay jokes, whatever. But it's also like this boy's parents recently died in a car accident. Yeah. Get some seatbelts in your car, yeah, you get terrible some human. Seatbelts, Michael Douglas. God when damn. You, when you're driving your 13 year old ward to a bar. Yeah, I don't know who decided that Michael Douglas should be in charge of these kids because he does not do a good job. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, it's amazing. We don't really see him interact with Polly at all, but it's amazing that Polly ended up pretty normal. Yeah, Polly seems to have done okay. Uh, I don't know how. Maybe Matthew McConaughey took the brunt of the weird sex talk. I think talk. also Polly's actually smart is the thing. Yeah. That's a, that, like with all his nerd friends, my mm. guess is that he was like, well, I have these like nerd things that I am interested in and I'm just going to throw myself into this instead of whatever weird sex thing Matthew McConaughey got himself. <laughs> whatever weird sex spiral he got himself in. Yeah, I guess Polly maybe also didn't have his heart broken as deeply at 13. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. Well, I mean, we all, we all got rejected at middle the school theme dances. Of this movie, you don't have to become a womanizer. The theme of this movie, and honestly, most romantic comedies, is man trauma makes anything man does okay. Yeah, it's true. You can forgive him if the trauma was bad enough. Right. It's not. It's you know. It's not. He couldn't his deal fault. with it. He. It's not his fault. He. You know. He never went to therapy or like yeah. dealt with any of his feelings. He has trauma. Okay. He has trauma. Um. The, the 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 last big thing that I was like, doesn't add up here. Something doesn't smell right. So they go to his funeral. It's supposed to be like a whole big deal that nobody shows up to his funeral except for Polly. He's a famous photographer. We don't, there's no information to suggest he stops being a famous photographer. Like power, uh, celebrity, hung, like even if no one likes him, people would show up at his funeral for nothing more than like a networking event. Yeah, that's probably true. 
Um, I I don't know. I don't know why nobody shows up. Maybe he like had a big fall from grace. Maybe in this timeline he got me tooed, and then <laughs> that's why nobody shows up at his funeral. Wait, why doesn't he get me tooed in the normal timeline then? Because. Oh, well, yeah, I guess he would get, like, historic, like, retroactively yeah. me too. You're right. Okay. He, we, when we meet him as a photographer, he is undressing uh, the subject of his photography. Without her consent. Without her consent. And she's so, vocally saying, this what is, are you doing? What are you doing? This is not what I agreed to. <laughs> it's so, bad. Yeah. Um, oh, my, my last continuity thing, um, since this is following the Christmas Carol format, uh, I felt that there should be a Tiny Tim, and there was no Tiny Tim, so I just want to say that that was a, a hole for me. You wanted a whole Cratchit family. I, I, I don't need a, honestly, I don't need a whole Cratchit family. I'm just there for the Tiny Tim. Um, so you wanted somebody with a slight uh, limp? It doesn't have to be a limp. I just need like a little, maybe like a little boy. Okay, like a, yes, there was no little there's child. There's no like small, cute child. I feel that that should be <laughs> part of this. Okay. If we're really doing Christmas Carol. Yeah, that's fair. I posited that maybe Polly was Tiny Tim, but you were adamant that he was Bob Cratchit. He's obviously Bob Cratchit. Okay. I mean, come on. Uh, maybe Sandra's Tiny Tim. No, Sandra's Mrs. Cratchit. Okay, that makes sense. Obviously. Jennifer Garner? No, Jennifer Garner is not Tiny Tim. <laughs> Have you seen her bone structure? She will never be Tiny Tim. <laughs> That's fair. So we want a Tiny Tim. Yeah. Um, my last consistency thing is we never find out how Jenny is like best friends with the bride. Oh yeah, that's real weird because she was supposed to be friends with uh, Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, so she's friends with Matthew McConaughey. Uh, what's this? Connor. She's friends with Connor. She's childhood friends with Connor. So maybe she's like friends, childhood friends with Polly, even though Polly's like five years younger than them. But, like, yeah, it's never explained how she becomes best friends with this woman that Polly's marrying. Well, the thing is, the other thing is, is they fall out of touch between, like, middle, like, high school and when they're adults and they start dating again. So, like, they're obviously not, like, hanging out a bunch. Even Polly's not hanging out with her because then he would know what she's up to and they wouldn't be like, oh, what have you been up to? Yeah. I don't know. It is unclear how Sandra and Jenny know each other. Yeah. Okay. We did it. Let's move on to... Does their love stand the test of time? No, but you know whose love does stand the test of time? Whose? Mel's and Brad's. Yes! We love it! Um, at the end of the movie, Mel, who is Matthew McConaughey's assistant, uh, reveals that she is actually at the party. She's not just a ghost. And she, um, she hits on or gets hit on by... She and Brad make, make love eyes at each other, which yeah. leads us to assume that since Brad has now been rejected by Jennifer Garner, Brad and Mel will end up together, which is great because both of them are great and deserve better than they've been put through in this movie. Absolutely. Justice for Mel and Brad. Um, in terms of the main love story of this, or even the secondary love story, this that was the tertiary love story that we just talked about. What's the... The secondary love story is Sandra and uh, Paul. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So in terms of the primary love story, no, I hate... Matthew McConaughey so much, and I don't want him to be with Jenny you hate at all. Connor so much. Yeah, you don't know Matthew McConaughey. Okay, fair enough. I hate Connor so much. I do not <laughs> want him to be with sweet, sweet Jenny. Jenny, who's a doctor, his whole thing at the end to her, his whole like, um, I've changed. I'm I've better. changed. Thing is, the photo moment is very cute. Yeah, it that's cute. Very cute. But <laughs> then he says, because um, remember when they last tried to date. Uh, he started, they started snuggling and then he like panicked and left. 
So now his, he says to her, I promise you when I wake up, when I promise you when you wake up in the morning, I'll be there. That's it. All he has to do is sleep through the night. <laughs> the lowest bar. <laughs> That's... Yeah. And honestly, I don't believe that he's not going to trip over it. Yeah, no, he's definitely going to trip over it. He's not, like, he had a bad series of dreams. Yeah. Like, he's not changed forever. I I know that, like, Christmas Carol format is supposed to, like, work help people work through their trauma, but I don't believe it. I yeah. think this man needs a lot more therapy because he has a lot of unresolved trauma from his parents dying. And yeah. then also the terribly inappropriate <laughs> relationship he had with his Uncle Wayne. Yeah. Who apparently, like... I don't know. It's very weird and abusive. Uh, apparently homeschooled him for two years just to teach him to sex better. Yeah, to, to at hit like on 13, women to, hit yeah. On, to hit on women and uh, basically call them bad names until they sleep with you for some reason. I just, I'm sorry. Has that ever, does that work? No. That seems to be I mean, a thing never... in movies that it's like, this works. And like, I've never... Um, I've never seen it work on myself or like any of my friends or anyone like I've observed at a bar. No, like, and the, like I've seen, I've definitely seen women stick around too long with men who treat them badly. Yes. Like that's a thing, but not, I've never seen someone go up to a woman, insult her and then have that woman be like, please take me. Right. Like I've seen more subtle nagging work, but like not, (laughs) I don't know. Not where, no. Yeah. Like maybe gentle teasing. Yeah, or like I have seen, you know, women who are like, who rightly enough want to have sex. And so they'll like, whatever guy they end up talking to, they're like, all right, I'm just going to end up going home with this guy. But if that's the case, then they don't, Matthew McConaughey wouldn't be having to work so hard, you know? Yeah, and the other thing is like all the women who, like say all the women who he breaks up with on that Zoom call, or it's not a Zoom call, it's 2009. (laughs) I just thought of it in my mind as a Zoom call. All the women he breaks up with on the pre-Zoom Zoom call, yeah. um, like all of them were in love with him. Where it's like, yeah. if I slept with a Matthew McConaughey type, I would be like, I know what this is. Right. Like, I see you, I'm going to get what I can get out of you. And then like, yeah. I'm moving on and I'm not going to like risk fe- having feelings for you because I can tell that you are an emotionally stunted man child and I'm not interested. I mean, to be fair, we never, so at one, one of the women says like, it's when he's overhearing them, like, uh, it's almost like he wants you to fall in love with him and then, like, runs away when you do. So, like, we don't actually see him... The only time we actually see him, like... Making someone fall in love with him? Is with Jennifer... I mean, him and Jennifer Garner, like, fall in love with each other. But, like, we don't actually see him, like, courting. So, I mean, maybe if he's not just, like, trying to have a one-night... Dan, I don't know. Maybe he does. I mean, because also when he hits on um, the mother of the bride, uh, which we, you know, we stand sexualizing older women. Yeah, I think um, that's great. We, but, we actually really like that part. Yeah. And that scene, he was charming. So maybe we just, I don't know. Maybe he is more charming than we're giving him credit for. Maybe. Just it just it. seems like the tactics that we see in the movie that they show us him that they show him doing or using seem to be ones that would not work yeah um so i don't know yeah i mean also like the thesis of this movie seems to be he starts out being like the power of a relationship lies in whoever cares less and ends up with like the pain of losing someone beats regret of, of not having uh 
you know, of never having experienced love. He says, pain reads, beats regret every day of the week and twice on Sunday. He says that? I don't mm-hmm. remember that. Yep. <laughs> I blocked He says that out. to Sandra. That's the awful. <laughs> yeah, that's After speech. he punches her dad in the face. <laughs> Which we will not be explaining because they don't explain it in the movie. <laughs> um, yeah. I... It, when it's like... I, I mean, I guess. I guess. I guess that's, that's there, right? You don't want to, like, regret... I kept thinking of that line from Next to Normal. That's like... The price of love is lost. Oh, yeah, I think you sang that still we pay. Yeah, yeah. We love anyway. That's Anyways. Nice. Elena um, doesn't like modern musicals. Whatever. I mean, Next to Normal has its charm. Its charm. <laughs> Quote, unquote. <laughs> I'm not crazy about it. Um, anyway, that's another podcast. Yeah, I, so it's like, I, I, I guess, I guess, like, don't run away from your feelings. But also... She's allowed to be upset that her husband, or to be, like, cheated on her. Yeah. (laughs) I think that, I don't really support them getting back together and getting married, like, that day. Like, maybe eventually when they've, like, worked through their shit, but, like, there's clearly some broken trust there, and I don't think they should have gotten, I don't think she should have listened to Matthew McConaughey and gotten married to that man. Well, and it's also, like, that's also how people end up in, like, abusive relationships, when they're like, it's pain, but I, I love, so love is worth the pain. And it's like, no, not always. Leaving is sometimes good. Yeah, definitely. I think, I don't know. Which is not exact, I mean, I know it's not exactly what he's saying, but I just like, I'm like, "Eh." Well, I think just the overall way that this movie views love is, first of all, purely in platitudes, which it's a romantic comedy, so we can give it that. But also it's, uh, unrealistic it doesn't have anything to do with like how people actually live their lives um and i think that uh the reason we don't believe any of the love stories in it is because well first of all we don't care much about the characters and second of all like they're just handing us platitudes yeah so it's like we it's both like we don't care about the characters and then also on top of it they keep like shooting us these phrases like the power of the relationship lies in whoever cares less like Mm -hmm. bah humbug um and it's just not satisfying yeah in the end bah humbug bah humbug bah humbug yeah that and talk about a christmas movie true kind of rent we're talking about rent we're talking about for you what did i call them before for you illiterate idiots yes Anyway, yeah, so the the moral of the story is, like, just don't bring your shit into a relationship. <laughs> or do. Like, just no, work on your you shit. You don't have to be perfect to be in a relationship, but you have to have some sort of self-awareness and, like, accountability. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and just going through, like, having one, like, uh, ayahuasca-type experience. <laughs> it's not therapy. It's not therapy. You did not go to therapy. And it doesn't make you better, Matthew McConaughey. If I was Jennifer Garner, I'd be like, if you want to be with me, you are enrolling in therapy four times a week ASAP. Yeah, no. All right, which I guess we'll move on to. Ladies, did we just time travel back to the 1950s? Yeah. Uh, yes. 2009 and 1959? The same. The same. More yeah. gay jokes, maybe, in 2009. 
Yeah, because it's edgy to say yeah. things like uh, the F word. And uh, I cannot believe 2009 feels too late for the F word. I know. Yeah, it's really bad. Um, Especially I, by someone like by a straight person. Yeah, no, it's ter- I mean, I guess maybe they thought they could get away with it because they were like, well, we're not calling a gay person the F slur. We're like using it derogatorily to all gay people? I don't know. It was, it's bad. At some point during this movie, maybe a third of the way through, I started tallying how many bad gay jokes there were and I got to 14. Uh, So keep in mind that's Mm -hmm. like uh, a third of the way through. Um, Michael Douglas, uh, when he is, when young Matthew McConaughey is crying over Jennifer Garner, Michael Douglas assumes that they went to, they hooked up and then he found a 10 pin up her dress. So we love to throw in a trans joke every yeah. once in a while too. That's fun. So edgy, really. Like just the comedy here. I don't know if you understand like what the comedy is of this. Like it's about how it's funny if you are gay. Like if you like someone of the same gender, you are funny and laughable. And it's, yeah, I, that, I, to me, that's just the height of comedy. Yeah, I mean, especially when we don't have any gay people in our movie, right? Like, what? who needs representation when you can just mock? Yeah, it's great. We love it. Uh, All right. Yeah, very depressing. Um, and we haven't even gotten into the sexual politics or the uh, gender roles yeah. that are portrayed in this movie. Yeah, where do we start in this menu of, do you want to start with uh, the way Matthew McConaughey talks about women? Do you want to start with sexual assault do you want to start with uh i'm not like other girls or do you want to do you want to start with uh weddings make bitches crazy (laughs) um i'll take sexual harassment for 200 alex thank you so much oh it's 10 minutes till jeopardy start Ooh, (laughs) six quick let's get out of here (laughs) sexual harassment yeah so we start the movie with him like ripping clothes off of this pop star he's taking a picture of and then having someone shoot an arrow off of an uh, the apple off her head. The woman actually shows up at the end of the movie. Which very is weird. super weird. No, it's strange. Um, and he gets a shot. Yay. Yeah. She's the whole time like, I. what's happening? No, wait, you're kidding, right? Stop, stop. And then she ends up making out with him in his office. Yeah, and then he says, uh, you're already gorgeous. Why do you need to be good at two things? Because he's insulting her music at the oh, same yes. time. Because mm-hmm. nothing makes women hornier than being told that the things in that they are making or creatively involved in are bad yeah um he also like while they're hooking up she's basically like why do women keep sleeping with you you're as bad as they say as she's hooking up with him and he's like usually something to do with your father and then she says i never even knew my father which is like yay daddy issues let's make fun of daddy issues how fun yeah also and i didn't even think of this at the time but like the racial politics of like she's black and like the racial politics of talking about how she never knew her father are also bad because yeah, you know great. why most uh, African American fathers are not in their children's lives, prison and, and the foster system. care system yep. that it discriminates against uh, families of color. Anyway, so we're glad that they actually cast a person of color in this movie, mm-hmm. but uh, that's the first and last, I believe. Oh, Mel, Mel's Mel, in here. yeah. Mm-hmm. But they do uh, give her a joke about believing in karma. Yeah. So uh, unfortunately, they really did a bad job. They were yeah. like, we're going to cast people of color, but we are going to use stereotypes. I think Brad also is, seems half black, maybe? maybe I don't know. We don't know. Yeah, maybe. And Brad is 
as we said, a dream boat. A so dream boat. True dream boat. So call us Brad. Anyway. Yeah. Um, he also says when he's breaking up with the three women at once on this conference call, uh, he turns around to the pop star. I don't know her name. And says. She doesn't have a name. Um, you know, don't listen to them. They are crazy. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of bitches be crazy. It's a lot of, um, I think the main theme is like, it's a very classic like rom-com theme of like women want commitment and men want to just have sex. Um, but they really kick it up to the next level in this movie. Well, and even like the nice guy, like Polly's supposed to be the nice guy and even like he is a little, little, little cheater. Little. Yeah, he's a little cheater. I mean, it, it seems like, yeah. I'm not saying we hate Polly. We but don't hate Polly. Like, he's nice guy. And Polly he's still, is like, redeemable, for right. sure. Which is why, like, nice, quote-unquote, nice guys still sometimes suck. Yeah, that's true. That's true, too. Um, Yeah, he also, at one point, refers to the bridesmaids as an estrogen lynch mob. <laughs> yeah. Very is, like, bad. So much. He got an intersectional insult. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Skills. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think... Uh, also, in the theme of sexual harassment at work, uh, apparently he never hit on his assistant, Mel, who's very beautiful, because he thought that she was gay. And then he apologized and was like, I would have hit on you sooner. Maybe don't. Maybe you don't. Maybe you don't sexually harass everyone around you. Yeah, I don't think she was insulted. Also, I think she was grateful. Yeah, no, I'm sure she was. Also, we had a, a th- this gave us a great opportunity for Mel to have a moment where she was like, well, one time in college, which... We always Ugh. love, we as queer women are, are always, uh, especially bi women, yeah. always being put into the, uh, you know, it's a phase thing. So uh, that trope is chef's kiss. We just, yeah, when it's just like a sprinkle of that. Yeah, just, just a little flavor. Um, yeah, so also Sandy is uh, like stereotypical bridezilla. Every little thing that goes wrong, there's like figs that aren't in the that get left out of the rehearsal dinner salad and she like freaks out it's like everything is the biggest deal because as jennifer garner says this is the biggest weekend in sandy's life Ugh. yeah well Paige actually just got married uh last weekend Paige, uh can I, you tell the people was it the biggest weekend of your life yeah it's like i don't have a reason to live now oh no <laughs> well we have to keep doing this podcast so okay. you gotta stay with us no i and here's the thing is like I'm not like here to rain on anybody's marriage parade. It was never something that was like wed- a wedding, a marriage it was never something that was really important to me growing up or my fiance or husband. Whoa. <laughs> or my husband. But um, we, yeah, but we were like, we're getting married basically for like logistical purposes, uh, health insurance, and taxes love. and all that. And love. Yeah. And we love each other. So we were like, let's, you know, have a, a good time, get some presents if we're going to do it. Um, and then COVID happened. So we ended up having like just like a very small thing. Sorry, this is all to say like, if you want to have a big party, great. If marriage is important to you. I mean, you, not right now, it's not great. No, but like, no, 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 Generally no, 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 speaking. No. Stop having weddings right now. <laughs> um, that's People who are having weddings right now, I'm like, do you not plan to be with this person in a year? Like, I mean, why can't you wait? I no um it doesn't make any sense but 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 it's because of the whole like marriage industrial complex and movies like this that put into i mean i know she's a caricature but it's still like playing into the stereotype of like bitches be crazy the only thing women care about is getting married well yeah so that's my whole thing is like the amount of social media engagement i got just from posting like 
just like a quick selfie of like Liam and I, and I said like married meeting Chipotle, and I'm glad like people are also, celebrating. Wait, sorry, sidebar. Everyone needs to have Chipotle at their weddings. It was fabulous. <laughs> you know, I'm not like critiquing people for like loving love like great I'm glad you love love but like I got more likes on that picture than when I posted like I passed the bar <laughs> or like when I uh, was like I'm now sworn in I'm a lawyer or like when I change my career like it's just like it's so that weddings and babies it's like yeah I don't know people you get a lot of um people coming out of the woodwork yeah I mean you get a lot of reassurance from society that that's like good and yeah. maybe that doesn't always feel the best because uh it's not what you maybe care about the most right and like yeah that's the whole thing is when people I had friends who were like um because we're I'm 27 but it's young sort of in this day and age in New York City whatever to get married and um people are like how do you know like blah blah and I'm like well because it's not I I'm or like are you nervous and I'm like no I'm not nervous or like worried or like concerned which because it's like because this isn't like the end point of my life, right? Like this is I have it. so you have to go you have to go off to pasture now. I have so many goals that involve like my career or like activism or my friends. Like I, you know, I still want to strive to be like a good daughter and a good friend and a, and a, and a good and a good wife and like I want to be kind to my partner and like I also like have a lot of career ambitions and like also will still continue to like make connection socially like I just I'm like I don't it's not I'm not freaking out about it because it's not there's much more going on in my life this is a this is a part of it and it's nice to to have this person that I love to come home to but it's nice to have this person I love to come home to after like spending the day doing other things like I don't right. and the day of your wedding whatever it is or was like it wasn't it didn't wasn't the end of your life. It wasn't, it wasn't, no, didn't for sure mean that not. much, even though your partner means a lot to you. Yeah. It was, we stood on my, in my mom's backyard for 10 minutes. Uh, Helena officiated. Yes, I um, did. Reverend Hale. Yeah. She did a great job. She said some beautiful words. I said nice words. Liam said nice words. And then we drank an eat Chipotle and yeah. it was great. And honestly, while I was standing up there, part of me was like, can't wait to eat Chipotle. I mean, again, I cannot emphasize this enough. <laughs> Chipotle cater your wedding. It's perfect. It's perfect. It was uh, just very, I think for us, very interesting to see this portrayal when we had just ha been right. doing That's a wedding. True. We had just been oh, doing a disturbing, a disturbing stereotype. Uh, it was, it, it was, was rough for us to watch this woman having to play this. Like I felt bad yes. for the actress, the actress who played Gretchen and Mean Girls. Yes, we love. Um, yeah, I, yeah, because I would say it was. A nice day in my life. I think it's a nice day in people's lives. I don't think it's like the day. The day. I don't know. I I would like this bridezilla stereotype to die. Um, yeah, she can go away forever for sure. Yeah, and it's also like maybe the reason she's so stressed is well, a because society puts all this pressure on uh, women, and also like, what are you doing, buddy? Polly, what are you doing to make this day go perfectly? It seems like she's trying to figure it all out. Um, all right, so the other, uh, yeah, the, the other terrible thing about this movie is that it really, like, separates women into two types of women, the type that you... Literally. Yeah. Literally, Jennifer Garner says there are two types of women. <laughs> Please go on. Women you shag and leave, and women you shag and snuggle. You guys, 
Jennifer Garner has self-respect and that is why she is worthy of love when all these other hoes are not. Mm-hmm. Okay? Um, and if you want to have a man the high quality, like, as if you want to have a man as high quality as Matthew McConaughey, you better have some self-respect. You want to bag that kind of man? You don't let him leave. You do not let him Even leave. Even if he says he has an early morning. Also, you do not uh, let him sleep with you until several weeks in. Yes. Because if you let him sleep with you too early, he's not going to respect you. Nope. You can't. It's you not don't possible. Buy, you don't buy the cow when you get the milk for free. That's right, ladies. Uh, it's really, really annoying. Um, which, like I said, is it's in other ways, this movie is pretty sex positive. I guess, I guess the movie in general is sex positive. They're just, it's just, uh, what you do after the sex that determines yourself. No, I mean, that's part of sex positivity. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, it's the, it's not, she's not like other girls. Yeah. Syndrome. It's very unfortunate. We, we hate to see it because especially coming out of beautiful Jennifer Garner's mouth. I know. And she's (sighs) not like other girls. She's not. Okay. It's not. But once again, have you seen that bone structure? She's not like other girls, but it's not because she'll make you snuggle her after sex. Why is she not like other girls then? I don't know. Cause she's a goddess. She's a goddess. Maybe she and Rachel McAdams should do a lesbian time travel movie together. Paige, why, why are you dropped. saying these things to me? You can't say that kind of thing to me. Also, Emma Stone is kind of a hoe in this movie. Yes. We love it. Emma Stone does a great job. She's having a lot of fun. She's having a lot of fun. She's braces. But also at the end, Michael Douglas, who is the ghost of a like 60 something year old man hits on mm, her. Yeah. It's very gross. We hate it. But at least she calls it out. She yeah. calls out all of the bad shit. Yes. That's the problem is this movie thinks that it can get away with all this bad shit because they're like, look, this is bad shit. Yeah. And the whole time I was watching this movie, I was like, who is this for? <laughs> like, who is it for women who are like, who like want to see other women objectified? Is it for men who want to see, like, the men are not coming to this movie. Why? Uh, who is this for? It's for women who want to see that the that bad boys can change. <sighs> for women who think they're the Jennifer Garners of the world. But like, why are, then why do we need to like bother with all of the other women? You know what I mean? Like all the other women are just like being objectified left and right. So is that for like those women's bad boyfriends? We're like, oh, I want to come to this movie and see some hot chicks. No, I think that's for, I don't want to well, see that. Well, here's the thing. They're not thinking about you. It's written by and directed by men the men are just like i like that hot lady let's put her in front of my camera i hate it all right should we should we move on to our final yeah i mean i think we covered it i'm exhausted (laughs) is it the best of times or the worst of times all right so we have our doomsday clock uh 12 noon is you should gouge your eyes out before you see this movie midnight is go watch this movie immediately uh i think you know where we fall on this one yeah let's let's talk it out a little bit though all Do you right want to go first uh for me it's a total nooner <laughs> okay <laughs> and um, yes i am using that term <laughs> um i think for me oh you're gonna be so mad I think it's, it's fine. We always have difference of opinion. No, but you're going to be mad that I'm like, I'm pushing it a little farther than like 2 p.m. So I'm pushing it a little past Time Traveler's Wife. Wow. Because I wasn't as bored. But it's so bad. Okay, yeah. what's your what's your rating? I think we're going to go like 2.30 or 3. I'll say 3. Because um, I, I think it's watchable and I like everyone in it. I 
I don't know. There's like some fun, like little weird things. Her dad keeps going on Korean War tangents. Okay, I did like the Korean War <laughs> tangents. That's fair. Um, and I loved when he got punched in the face. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, it's very low because it's super problematic and the love story doesn't move me except for the picture part, which is very cute. And Jennifer Garner is so good at her job that like I'm pulled in a little bit, but just by that. I just, I. I can't feel anything for them. Even though it's Jennifer Garner. Like, I like watching her. She's very fun to watch. But I... Ugh. It was just so... Emma Stone. To me, it's it was very depressing. Okay. You can watch you can watch Emma Stone in Easy A. Yeah, Easy A is a good movie. Easy A is a really good movie. We can't talk about it, though. Uh, no, we cannot talk about it. Yeah. Okay, I'll go back to 230. I, I just think it's more watchable. It... Okay. I... It definitely... One thing that it does benefit from is that it carries the structure of both a time travel movie and uh, a Christmas Carol. It carries mm -hmm. both those structures very well, and because it has that underpinning, it probably like it moves pretty well as a story. Yes. Like the cake moment is fun. Yeah, it like it hits. It's hitting beats at yes. the very least. Whereas like a movie like Time Traveler's Wife, I can see why you're like, what even are the beats? Yes. <laughs> what is the and at least like it it comes in because it's a Christmas carol. You go into it knowing what the point is going to be. I left Time Traveler's Wife being like, what was the point of that? Fate page. Once again, fate. So it's like I, yeah, there's a very clear arc and message and all that. And a lot of people that I like are in it. It's very problematic. I do not endorse, especially like the... Uh, not even especially like the gender politics or the LGBTQ politics. Like Oof. it's very problematic, but if you were like, go, you must watch a movie and it was between this and a real nooner, like time <laughs> I mean, I don't think I gave time travel wife and uh, no, you gave it a two. If it was between like this and any movie that's lower than 3 PM on the, the doomsday clock scale, which we've had, I think if only was nooner, right? I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. I would watch this. So it has to be higher up for me. I think they can both be nooners. Okay. It's at 3 p.m. for me. All right. Fair enough. Uh, it's okay. We'll agree to disagree. And next week, we are watching a movie that is guaranteed to be a Christmas movie. Yeah. It better called... be a fucking Christmas movie because this so, was a disappointment. It's called A Timeless Christmas. A so... Timeless Christmas. This is one of our lifetime movies, right? Yes. Okay. Hallmark. Hallmark. Yes. Yes. Same, same Jeff. Yes. At the very least, we will be bringing you more Christmas content and um it's christmas now it's christmas now and um so we hope you're enjoying your christmas and um we gotta go watch the bachelorette we'll be, be back, back in no time, time at all love you bye love you bye love you mean it there's a warm-up with some there's cheese i guess warm -up with a little cheese little cheese mukbang mukbang yeah it's that thing where you um eat in front of a camera oh it's but like it's, there's a no combination camera, so of, it's an asmr right now well i think it's like a combination of asmr and just right, like some sort of weird eating what i'm saying fetish. is there's no camera right here now, i think it's so still it's considered like, a mukbang if it's just the uh i know i said in front of a camera but the the concept is like people eating all right for your entertainment or whatever else i don't know if it's a, a sex thing or not